You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back. We're back in the time machine. We're back in the early 2000s, the time of Justin Timberlake, the time of Britney Spears, the time <laughs> yeah. of Blink-182. We're talking oh, DC, DCA 1.0. Do you think that during the X Games experience, uh, Blink-182 was on loop just throughout the entire thing? Because I feel like that's all that they would assume people would want to hear during this event is like the, the newest Blink-182 album in 2003 or whatever. Yeah, and I and I'm here for that. Like that's what makes that experience probably super enjoyable. Well, here back to help us with our experience of figuring out what the best DCA 1.0 thing is is our friend Matt. Matt, welcome back to Mouse Madness. Pleasure to be here, guys. Um, I had a really good time on the first episode. I was even I'm, I'm usually super busy, but I did listen to it back, and I I you know. It's been a week or so, but I remember how fun it was just talking about DCA 1.0 again. <laughs> yeah. So you obviously host two shows and you do a lot of editing for those shows and, and putting them all together. So how was it to be on the other end for a little bit where you got to sit in on a podcast and then be able to listen back to it without having to put in the work to like edit it? It was, it was like uh, it was like therapy or something <laughs> like I don't uh, I, it's so much better to be the guest host. <laughs> Than it is to be the host. In fact, it was so much fun. I made that part of my Twitter profile. Future guest host only. Yes. <laughs> yes. Retirement plan. Podcast retirement plan. It's like the people that retire from Disneyland, working at Disneyland, and then just yes. get like a part-time gig just to be be busy. A that's consultant. Be the a- imagineering yeah. consultant. <laughs> that's a great plan. I mean, that's what I really want to do is just not do any more editing for the rest of my life and just have people ask me well the weird thing is though no one's asking why isn't anyone (laughs) i'm a pariah or something no one wants to ask me to co-host that's fine though that's okay maybe after this after they see all these mouse madness promo videos and see see you doing they're you're gonna get all the calls you're gonna get because you know we have such a podcaster listening base here at mouse madness that they're all they're chomping at the bit for to steal our talent. So that's that's the only reason why I'm here. This is just this is a promo for me to do future <laughs> guest hosting. All right. Well, let's hop into this episode and let's talk a little bit of spoonful of sugar. Chris, what are you drinking today? So this week was absolutely crazy for me. Did not have time to get myself a fancy cocktail. Did not even have time to chill a craft beer king's sour beer. So I had ah. to go. To my favorite place when I'm low on time. It's my favorite three-letter word. It is C-V-S. And I got me 
a real fun little little uh, little party drink here. All right, here she comes. Oh yes, it's back. The zippers it's, are back. It's classic mini pie eye mini on the top of this little juice. It is a orange mango juice with a little bit of mezcal in it. So I'm calling it a mezcal mini. And oh. I was super stoked on this bottle because this is not only is it classic, but it's classic mini. You got classic Mickey everywhere. Classic mini is elite. Here's the thing that's awful about this. It's not actually a sipper. You just like unscrew the top and she what? comes off and she's just like over here and you drink it like a normal juice. Can you take that plastic thing off? Like, are you supposed to be able just to have mini hanging out? There is a sticker on the bottom of this that yells at you. <laughs> Twist open to drink. Do not remove toy from dome. And then down here on the bottom, it says, do not disassemble pods. P-O-D-Z, which I guess is the name of what this toy is. But I'm like, I, I can't I literally can't do anything with this, you <laughs> know? So... You know, I guess I should have been a more responsible buyer and noticed that there was no straw coming out of her head like there is, uh, you know, the Elsa or the Olaf or whatever. Um, But hey, it's not a bad cocktail. You know, mezcal anything wakes me up in the morning, so um, I'm not going to complain too much. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, I'm like so upset at CVS for doing this to to Minnie, trapping her in her little dome jail so that she can't be free. Yeah, right? Um. Listen, we are recording in three different time zones for, I think, the first time on this podcast. Uh, And so it's early here on the West Coast. And I was thinking, do I make some sort of cocktail to wake me up this morning? And then I woke up this morning. I said, no, sir, it's not happening. So I just have a nice cup of coffee. But what I did not show everybody last time is that I was drinking my beer out of this same mug. And this mug is a inaugural opening day DCA commemorative mug that was so designed good. by show exec Tim Delaney, who was Ooh. an Imagineer. There's a, there's a glare. Can't really see it. Who was a, a, an Imagineer that really led the way for the design of DCA 1.0. Uh, and this was a mug that was given out to people that worked there for opening day and it was commemorative and I found it on eBay and I said, I need to have it. So I bought it and it's one of my favorite mugs in the collection. I absolutely love it. So yep, just sipping on a nice cup of coffee to get me going today and talk a little uh, DCA 1.0. Matt, what you got over there? This is easy. It's a standard generic white cup from, uh, (laughs) from coffee shop. With bad coffee, uh, brewed coffee. I, I actually run a coffee shop in my day job, so when I drink coffee on the weekend, it's always like not as good as, as the week. However, it's still got all the caffeine in it that I need. Yes. I, I I wonder about that mini in the uh, <laughs> incarcerated state. I'm uh, I'm a little concerned for mini uh, this morning, uh, Chris. We, is that like we, what is that a collectible like one of 50 or something like why so, is she in there so in the display case there's like a bunch of different characters on these little bottles they yeah, have my like kids drink those yeah they got um i think i saw an anna i saw like a superman so we're crossing over between marvel and dc apparently <laughs> but there was a black panther as well um, and a few other, it was like a golden Superman. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Maybe that's from the Snyder cut, but, um, 
It's unf- like I want to liberate Minnie from this jail cell. I want to take a hammer to this plastic pod. Yeah. And uh, and just <laughs> let her breathe some fresh air because she does not deserve this. No. You need to defy the mattress label warning <laughs> yeah. and just rip that sucker out of there. No one's gonna put Minnie in the corner. No, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> that was good. Right. That was but, good. But the coffee's here. The coffee is here. I'm I'm excited <laughs> right, to be here. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> All right. Before we start talking uh, DCA 1.0 experiences and attractions and shows, we gotta just quickly review our demographic. Who was surveyed for this bracket to determine our seatings? It was folks mad about Disneyland's ticketing system, which, from everyone I've spoken to. I didn't really have much of a problem with it. So unless you were one of those people that was on right when those tickets opened up and you were going for like opening day or Avengers Campus opening day, you might have had a bad time. But if you had just waited maybe 36 hours, you would have plenty of days to choose from with no problem whatsoever. So these people maybe jumped the gun a little bit, but it was our survey demographic. Kyle. When are we going to get our interns back in the park? I I was just thinking about this this week. You know, like we never heard from them on this ticketing thing. Like no one reached out to us. I was like, hey, y'all, like we're we're headed back. So I think they're they're still asleep. They're they're not expensing their trip. So I have no problem. They're they're going to have to do it themselves. They have to get their own tickets. This is a call to our interns to get your Disneyland tickets. Don't expense it. We don't have money. Get into the park and start surveying some folks. We need some new demographics that is not Diz Twitter mad online. All right, so before we top in, let's remind everybody where we're at. We are in our Elite Eight matchups, and here they are. It's the number one Superstar Limo versus number eight, Eureka, a California Parade. Down the brackets, number four, Bountiful Valley Farms versus number five, Sunshine Plaza. Across the brackets, number 15, Paradise Pier BBs, those billboards that are lining the pier, versus number seven, the X Games Experience. And rounding out our Elite Eight is the number 14 Soap Opera Bistro versus the number six, Matt's new favorite, Mission Tortilla Factory. All right, so let's hop in with this first uh, matchup, Chris, and I'm going to go ahead and let you lead the way. Okay, so last week we broke down Superstar Limo pretty in-depth with our little room-by-room analysis. Uh, My opinion of the attraction was was that it was enjoyable to me as a child. I I didn't walk off it and think that it was terrible. And this kind of like superstar limo is the worst attraction ever attitude is one that was kind of like put on me in the last few years. I never really considered it awful until I really thought about it critically, you know, but yeah. In the moment, writing it as a child, I really didn't have any problem with it. I thought it was fun to see Drew Carey on the Superstar level. I thought it was fun to see Jackie Chan. I know who that is, so I laugh at it or I <laughs> clap at it or whatever, you know? Um, which is like the basis of every Marvel thing ever, right? Like, I mean, yeah. oh, boy, I know that. I know that. And it gives you a little <laughs> boost of adrenaline when you see that thing that you recognize. Like, Superstar Limo, Marvel ensemble movies, exactly the same, right? <laughs> Same experience. Um, Superstar yeah. Limo is the 2001 Avengers experience. Avengers Campus 2.0, next attraction, Infinity War Limo. And you're just <laughs> going through, you're just going through the Marvel universe seeing, oh, okay, we got to stop. 
So, so I had advanced superstar limo past Santa's Beach Blast, but just because Santa's Beach Blast is is just kind of a weak entry on this bracket, going up against a juggernaut, very recognizable, memorable attraction for how short it lived in Superstar Limo. I don't think we talked a lot about the facade of Superstar Limo last time and kind Mm-mm. of like the construction of of the entry building of this thing. So it's basically a big cardboard cutout with these little like fun caricature versions of various LA landmarks. Yeah. Um, the only one that I distinctly remember is the angels steps, uh, tram that they depicted on the facade that was like plagued with mechanical errors. Yes. I mean, I guess it had, it had just gone through like a reopening and a refurbishment at the time. And there were a couple of really tragic accidents that happened on it. Uh, but, but there it was like front and center on this attraction uh, when guests were walking underneath the entryway. And like, that is just the perfect like metaphor for, for <laughs> superstar limo itself. It's like, it's, it is, it's a, it's a tr- literal train wreck, you know? Right. So, um, not the most beautiful uh, entryway. The queue, there's like a huge switchback queue outside, which is extremely uncomfortable during the summer. And then inside, we kind of talked about how it's got that airport pickup vibe. Um, very like Toontowny, like rubbery kind mm-hmm. of like texture on everything. Yeah. Um, feels very cartoonish. It's what they were going for. Uh, I don't I don't think it feels very high quality, but like like I was saying in the last episode, like they understood the assignment and <laughs> they successfully portrayed what they were trying to. Was it a good idea? That's up for debate. Yeah. But they but they did what they were trying to do. Going up against Eureka, which like I was a Eureka defender in the last episode. Um I, I enjoyed it t- to an extent, especially the fact that there's just so many parade pieces. There's so many different types of things to look at during Eureka. You've got dancers doing hip hop and body rolls. You've got (laughs) huge giant floats where people are skateboarding and riding surfboards and wave runners off the top. You've got guys playing drums suspended from Watts tower, uh, (laughs) giant recreations. You've got people on BMX bikes and rollerblades uh, you've got dancers, folklorico dresses, you've got <laughs> puppets, you've got giant Golden Gate bridges. Like there are just so many different things going on that to me makes it a very enjoyable parade watching experience. But I will say it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, particularly the giant goddesses. Yeah. You laid it out pretty well uh, last episode talking about kind of what they were all supposed to represent. I, I mean, how are you supposed to know that? How I And like, how are you supposed to know who this goddess like character is if you didn't read the pamphlet walking in beforehand, right? Like if you just walked in and saw this parade, you're like, who am I supposed to know who this woman is on each float? Like I definitely would not. So it's it's just an interesting like DCA thing where like in Disneyland, it was all IP like you know these characters, you love them, here they are on parade. And DCA is like, you don't know this goddess, we're going to try and tell you a story, you're not going to understand it, and here's a float separated by race in California. (laughs) It's like, gosh, DCA. 
by the way, I know Calafia is not in this parade and Calafia is Whoopi Goldberg, but um, I had no idea who Calafia is and I'm a native Californian, but there is a brand of like organic milks called Calafia Farms. And I, (laughs) I like just now have noticed this in the grocery store. I'm like, wow, this is like Whoopi Goldberg milk. This is great. (laughs) I'm inclined to buy it now. That is not how I meant it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Oh, boy. Uh, I just meant that her face is on the box. We're keeping it in. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, people are kind of sad by the fact that Disney really leans heavily into the IP thing these days. Won't do anything original. But, like, here we have something. They did something original. And, like, it was an absolute train wreck. So, like, what do you want them to do? I really appreciate Eureka. And like, that's the thing that I appreciate about it is they had this idea for the park. It was a bad idea, but they, they went all out. They sent it full scent on Mm -hmm. on Eureka. You know, they're like, let's portray this like folklore of California. Absolutely. No one cares about it, but we are going to do it to its absolute fullest. We're going to pretend everyone cares about it and everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. And we're just going to do it. I don't think it was poor quality at all. Eureka. I don't care what sure. you what you all say. I, I think it <laughs> I think it was a quality parade. Um it was the theme was lost on me, but I think I think it was done well. And uh the the uploader, Carter Sauce Media, mm-hmm. in the caption of one of the one of the versions of Eureka, he says, This was my favorite parade to perform in. Right. Uh, among like all of the parades at the parks that between the late 90s and early 2000s, it was, he was like, I loved Lion King and I loved uh, Eureka, which, you know, I think that says a lot that someone who does this professionally enjoys it. Sure. I mean, it, it definitely was high energy. It would be fun to to be in it and, you know, do all of the crazy things that the participants of the parade were doing. Um, but as a viewer. It's chaos. It is chaos, and I love and I love it for that reason. Sure, I I mean th- these two entries, Superstar Limo and Eureka, they profile very similarly. They're like bad ideas executed properly. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so like, which one? Yeah. Which one do you go with? I-, I love Eureka. I love it, and I really want to advance it here. But when I think about D- DCA 1.0, I think about it as like an afternoon experience where you go, you get a park hopper add on for like 25 bucks or whatever. It was a great deal back in the day. You do your Disneyland stuff. You, you park hop over to DCA. You hit your soaring, your screaming, your Maliboomer. And then, and then you, that's it, you know, like, sure. because there was really no tower of terror yet. There was no. no midway mania yet. No, I mean, that's pretty much all there is to do. Uh, and then, and then there's superstar limo. So like, while Eureka is something I have come to appreciate lately, superstar limo is an attraction that was writable on opening day. And I'm going with the attraction because when I think of DCA 1.0 and my own experience with the park, I think of the attractions that were surprisingly enjoyable for how confusing the theme of this park was. The uh, Superstar Limo, 
I don't know if either of you have been to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, which I feel like comes up a lot on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> apparently, yeah. But uh, they have a a ride there that is called uh, I think it's just called the Cave Train, and you sit on this train, and it it's a dark ride that brings you through the like history of Santa Cruz or like the the I don't know, I guess the history of Santa Cruz or maybe a tour of Santa Cruz, but it's in like caveman form because for whatever reason part of the boardwalks like iconism is cavemen i don't i don't get it but so you like drive you go through and it's just a bunch of like cavemen statues swiveling around neon everywhere it's just a bizarre attraction and that's exactly what superstar limo is like like if you were to watch them side by side you'd be like this is in the same park and it's ones at the beachside attraction park and one's over at DCA, which DCA was like part of it is a beachside attraction park, right? And so yeah. it's kind of interesting that those two parallel like that. Um, I agree with you, Chris. I'm going to move Superstar Limo on here because I do think that in this matchup, uh, particularly, the attraction is always going to win over the parade because I don't know that uh, the parade's necessarily encapsulate all that the park is while this attraction which is what people go to these parks for is exactly what dca 1.0 was (laughs) it's this this hodgepodge of chaos and weirdness um matt do you agree with us moving on the one seed past the eight here yeah i mean this is always the seems like always the round where the one seed is upset right it's uh, right it's northern iowa versus kansas right exactly right i like to rub that one in um so (laughs) I this is a tough one for me because I think Chris Chris nailed it. He nailed it. It's it's two bad ideas executed pretty well. And mm-hmm. so for me it was I had to look at some other things like what makes it DCA 1.0. Well, celebrity is a big thing in 1987 Epcot, right? And then it's it's carried forward again in like late 90s Disney MGM Studios. But not uh-huh. to this degree. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm leaning toward superstar or excuse me, yeah, superstar limo with you guys. But I the only reason that I think that this is true is because at the same time that Eureka comes out with these sort of like uh, abstract things married with like California, which looks really weird, is the same time that the Millennium celebration is going on in Epcot. And so I'm thinking a lot about this, like I go there, I go to Epcot World Showcase, there's all these abstract ideas in the World Showcase promenade. And so Eureka to me, aside from the Golden Gate Bridge float and the, <laughs> and the Hollywood Bowl uh, <laughs> conductor and the Chinese takeout uh, floats, oh, man. I felt like it was very Epcot. And so hmm. which one is more DCA 1.0? It is stu- Superstar Limo because they took this celebrity thing and like exploded it and so yep. like that feels very 1.0 celebrity to the extreme yes DCA. Extreme, extreme celebrity <laughs> let's move on to the next matchup it's number four bountiful valley farms versus number five sunshine plaza um there's i mean there's not a whole lot to talk about further with the the farm it is what it is and it is what we talked about it uh, as kind of hangout spot for a sponsorship activation with Caterpillar. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it was. 
uh, really leaning heavily into the edutainment, which I think is very Disney at that time and very much what they're trying to give you at DCA, teach you a little bit about California and what's more California than agriculture, right? Huge agriculture export for the entire world. Um, So I appreciate what they're doing here, what they're trying to do here. Uh, and they were able to essentially do it on somebody else's dime. It sounds like uh, get Caterpillar to pay for a lot of it and provide the attractions, which were these stationary tractors that you could go <laughs> walk and read about. Uh, but it's up against Sunshine Plaza, and like, here, here's here's a good idea done poorly. I think like this could have been a really cool thing that they just didn't execute correctly. The it's a complete misfire. The I just over this week I've been thinking about two things: Eureka, California on parade, and the fact that the sun faced the wrong way in Sunshine Plaza. <laughs> One job had to be done, and it was to make the sun face the way that the sun would hit it for most of the day, and they didn't do that. And I get that the orientation of the park didn't allow for it, but still, then change the idea, and then how do you them, mess that up? And then for it's not them to that try hard. <laughs> Them to try to like correct it afterwards. I hope someone got fired over that. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I would never advocate for someone getting fired, but like, come on, that's like putting that's like putting in a toilet upside down. Like, what are you doing? I want to know uh, who came up with the reflector idea, and then who designed the reflectors to try and get that sun to shine. Because there are just those giant green stems in the middle of this plaza. <laughs> It's like people are probably walking by like, what even is that? And then it doesn't even actually work. It's such an amazing train wreck of an area that's supposed to be the hub. The hub is one of the most, wait for it, iconic parts of these Disney parks. And they messed it up from the beginning. The, the, The first thing that you see when you get into the park is this like, you know, maybe beautiful, impressive mural. The largest ceramic mural in the world, California letters. You walk under the cartoon Golden Gate Bridge, a monorail's going over it, and then you get to this massive hubcap sun uh, that is being surrounded by clovers that are supposed to be reflecting light onto it. It's just such a train wreck. Chris, I am definitely moving Sunshine Plaza on here uh, past the farm. I just think it's way more DCA 1.0. I think that uh, the fact that it is kind of serves as an icon of the park is important. Um, And it does encapsulate like California, you know, like a lot of sunshine out here. Coast is what that fountain is supposed to represent with the waves. It's very California. It's very DCA. It's very much a misfire. I love it. Five's moving on. The closest thing I would compare those reflectors to is the Archimedes death ray. (laughs) <laughs> Which, if y'all don't know what the Archimedes death ray is, Archimedes was this ancient Greek guy who thought you could put a bunch of mirrors together and harness the power of the sun to blow up ships on the ocean. So, conspiracy theories are popular, more popular than they've ever been. So I imagine, you know, back in the day, there were people that were like, these are installed. To so that Disney, if you get if you do something in the park wrong and break the rules, they're just gonna like tilt towards you, and they're just gonna beep. <laughs> the the Eisner death ray. There you go. I I I actually like Bountiful Valley Farms here for for two reasons. Uh, number one is it's the the California adventure thing. 
when I think of California Adventure in the early days, I don't think of failure. I just don't. And that's just like based on my personal experience with the park. When I was young, I did not see it as a failure at all. I, you know, yeah, I saw sure. it as, as a park that maybe like didn't have as many fun things to do as Disneyland Park, but I, I never was like standing in California Adventure being like, this is not fun. This is terrible. This is not a great experience. Yeah. So sure. to, to call out Sunshine Plaza and be like the failure of the position of the sun and the failure of the reflectors is... Uh, you know, perfect representation of what California Adventure was to me. Like that does not apply to me. I I don't know that I don't know that I would use the word failure. That's why I keep saying misfire. Like it happened and yeah, it yeah, just yeah, didn't work yeah. out. And I feel like that's what DCA 1.0 was. So I don't want to so, be the failure guy over here because I don't think it failed. No, but. I got gotcha. you. The, the then the other thing is the 1.0 thing. And I, and I cannot remember if I brought this up last week, so I apologize if I did. But opening day at Disneyland had some weird stuff. They had yeah. like a brassiere shop and a tobacco shop and a hall of aluminum and, a, you know, DuPont chemical like <laughs> display, you know. So to see this weird Caterpillar installation <laughs> in California Adventure is like so perfect amusement park 1.0 where... Huh. They were like, we've got a corner. We are out of money. What do we do with it? Let's take someone else's money and and install something that 1% of park goers can do for five minutes. And that's better than it having just benches there. You okay. Know? Yeah, sure. Who knows? Maybe there's a farmer in the family who, you know, Just absolutely loves out. this stuff. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. We don't yeah. know. Um, And to me, like, that is... That is a, a 1.0 version of an amusement park. These days, probably not so much, like because of hype being a thing where you got to know every single project that's going to be there by the time it opens. Yeah, you know, people didn't do that back then. It was like, let's get there and we'll see what's there. They didn't really feel the need to, to have to market everything before it opens. Sure. So I'm, I'm going with Bountiful Valley Farm here, you know? All right. All right. Matt, wow. you're breaking the tie. I hate breaking the ties, but I kind of <laughs> like it because it gives me all this extra power. Um, yep. I, you know, I, I keep coming back to this idea of, of 1.0, right? So you have good ideas executed poorly, you have bad ideas executed poorly, and you have good ideas executed well. And I probably missed one in there. But Bountiful Valley Farms is a good idea. Like if you have kids and you want to have a place to run around or like learn about planting or you want to learn about, you know, uh, growth of, of uh, agriculture, it's a very California thing, but it's also a Midwestern thing. It connect. It's a thread that runs throughout American history. So it's it's very connective. Yeah. Sunshine Plaza. I have no idea <laughs> what the what the concept was. Right. It's it's. California, but it's a mural. It's a monorail, but it's on a Golden Gate Bridge, which is not a train <laughs> track. Um, it's a lot of messed up things. Obviously, the hubcap is a huge, huge issue. I remember walking through Sunshine Plaza the first time I went to DCA in like 07, and I was like, this isn't even worth like standing here. Like it's yeah. that bad. Uh, and by that time, Battleful Valley Farms was gone. I think Battleful Valley Farms is an okay idea. I mean, I don't think it's really that much worse than 
storybook circus land at, <laughs> at Walt right. Disney World, I did, which is another like flawed uh, execution. I have to go Sunshine Plaza as a DCA 1.0. What's more DCA 1.0? A bad idea executed badly. <laughs> Chris, I want to absolutely commend you because your your point about bringing in sponsorship for a like exhibit as a 1.0 Disney thing, I'm now like a big you just opened my mind to so many things when you made that point. But those weren't like, bad. Those not ah. all, not all those 1.0 things were bad. Sure. You know what I mean? Like some of those, like Monsanto's what Hall of Chemistry, it <laughs> lasted like 11 years. Yeah, until they figured out that Monsanto was the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Literally killed thousands of people. Yeah. But I mean, look at look at Epcot. Yes. Half of the park is literally one giant marketing ad for other countries of the world, paid for by other countries of the world. <laughs> and the rest of the park is like more chemical companies sponsoring exhibits, you know? Exxon, like, Valdez. Uh. Okay, so let's hop over to the other side of the bracket where we have the number 15 Paradise Pier Billboards versus number seven X Games Experience. I, I wish I saw the X Games experience. Like that's that, if I could go back in time and, and do one thing on this bracket, it's like I would go see X Games experience. I would get a tortilla and I would go to the X Games experience. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> I well, I would probably bring my own tortillas. Let's be honest. <laughs> so these are real X Games athletes. These aren't just kids that they picked up off of uh, the Venice Beach boardwalk. Like these are legit, well known. Maybe not like Travis Pastrana level, but like sure. uh, athletes who competed in the actual X Games, uh, doing little uh, exhibits for DCA park guests throughout the entire summer. They have the huge half pipe out where uh, World of Color is performed <laughs> now. I don't think we got to talk about the uh, do it yourself. Uh, try and be a skateboarder <laughs> setup they had back out in the parking lot where you just walk through a little gate and it's like a, a little kitty skate park. You sign a waiver and rent your own helmet and board. Like, that's a great idea, right? What could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing. Of course not. Uh, I, I just picture a lot of dads who are like, oh yeah, man, that's not that hard. I can do it. Oh, and no. then just... Oh no. The thing that I think impresses me the most, and there's no video of this, and that's that's what's really frustrating about some of these things, is like you don't realize what you have until it's too late. <laughs> I, I can't find any X Games experience video for, from any of it, but the thing that I really wish we had video of was the opening day or the opening ceremony or whatever. They got a dude to dirt bike jump over the Golden Gate Bridge entirely what yeah we got some still photos yes some still photos from adrian vincent phoenix of mouse planet mouse planet i think that's what it's called so sick they parked the two monorails on the bridge and then the guy (laughs) jumped in between them over the bridge Uh. like i don't care if disney has a certain quality of entertainment like Nothing beats death defying stunts <laughs> like that. Where if this guy like boop 
like yep. nicks his front wheel on the bridge, he's going down. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what DCA ha- is and has always been to me. Uh, the adventure park. It is the islands of adventure to the Universal Studios. It is that <laughs> teenage park that has a little bit more of an aggressive energy to it. It is not all fairy tales and immersion. It is let's do some let's do some stuff. Let's uh experience some thrills, some adrenaline, and X Games experience delivers on that in the best way possible. So I'm advancing X Games experience over the Paradise Pier billboards, which I already was kind of like lukewarm on. Sure. The um X Games experience, uh all of DCA was built panicked right didn't have enough money they had an opening day that they needed to meet so they just built as they could there's portions of the x games experience that feels like that and the the biggest one is the fact that they're like merch sales were being sold at a series of tables so you know how like at dca now uh they have like the food and wine festival and they have these permanent huts that they sell merch and they sell food and drinks and all that stuff. So similarly, but not at the X games experience, it was a bunch of like fold out tables with white easy ups put up and to theme these tables, they put that like tiki skirt grass (laughs) around the tables. (laughs) it, It just like reminded me of if you went to a, like a flea market or if you went to, uh, uh, like a road show and people are just bringing their stuff from home and then trying to decorate their own tables. That's exactly what was happening here. It was like a panic build. They were like, not enough people are coming to the park. There's not enough, uh, like teen energy at the park. It's a lot of families coming and then not realizing that they don't have anything to do because there's not a ton of kids stuff. So let's try and get that, that teenage population in to make this the cool park by bringing in the X games and selling the merch from Tiki skirt, Tables because we didn't have time to build anything else. I love that. That's DCA 1.0. I'm also moving X Games experience on. The billboards are iconic and I love them. And they're still great photo ops today. They're now Pixar themed, uh, pure beachside, you know, aesthetic with our Pixar characters. And some of them have like environmental uh, things like pick up your trash and it's like Gerald from Finding Dory caught in a um, in a six pack soda plastic ring thing um so they're cute and they're great but the x games experience is just so 1.0 and probably you know that x game sponsorship did they get some money for doing this did they get help building it who knows it could have happened i'm doing that number seven's moving on matt do you agree with the the extreme x games experience yeah i agree i definitely agree you know uh by this point disney owned espn so right. this is this is super synergistic as well. One reason <laughs> I I think you know I really wanted to push this or advance this in the in the bracket is because uh, looking through the 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 old pictures here, there's one that that talks about the big air show uh, of the mm-hmm. day, and I don't recognize a single name. And that I don't know what <laughs> is more DCA 1.0 than me going to this X game show and then not even knowing who I'm watching. Like right. that's so there's no identity there. Right. And so, yeah, the other thing I really like about it is that all of these Moto X and <laughs> vert uh, ramps and all this stuff 
are just covering up all of the bad DCA 1.0 landmarks. Like, yes, yes. That's so great. Like, here's a giant tent. Now you can't see, you know, California screaming anymore because <laughs> there's a giant tent in the way. Like, what is more DCA 1.0 than totally screwing up things that actually do work? Right. Uh, I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Let's move on to another very good matchup. It's the number 14 soap opera bistro versus number six. Mission Tortilla Factory. Uh, so I, as I said last time, I didn't go to the soap opera bistro. Didn't even actually realize that it existed. None of my family watched soap operas. Even if we did, it would have been for that themed experience. I love a themed experience. Grew up loving Rainforest Cafes. Love the Blue Bayou. Mm. This would have been like right up my alley as far as themed ex- eating experiences. Um but I just don't like soap operas and I never watched them. So everything would have just been like over my head. Um, I would have just felt like I'm eating on sets, which I guess works for like what Hollywood land was, was this like back lot experience. And even if I didn't understand like the exact scenes I was in, I could get that they were trying to recreate sets and these were actors and they're coming around. The thing that I don't like about themed experiences, though, is if the the wait staff are actors and make me do things. I said this last time. I'm way too anxious to have to like worry about taking part in some dinner scene. Uh, even when I go to Trader Sam's and if you order a certain drink, the entire uh, tiki hut erupts into a chant and things are happening. Too much attention on me. Love me a tiki bar, but that's too much attention on me. So in this current matchup... I really, really like the Mission Tortilla Factory because they went so hard on the edutainment, misfired a little bit because I don't like that they used like middle school kids to teach the history of tortillas in California. Like that seems like such a bizarre choice, uh, which makes sense for DCA 1.0. And the fact that they like after that little lobby thing, you go turn a corner, you see some hologram vignettes and then you get your tortilla and you leave. And to see like this working tortilla factory for what? There's like what one Mexican restaurant in DCA and then like one across the way in California Adventure. So like were they exporting these tortillas out to the surrounding Anaheim area? Like they were producing some tortillas if you watch these videos. So it just seems like such a weird concept that sponsorship, baby, you know, (laughs) 1.0, get a little sponsorship deal with Mission Tortilla. They want to open a new factory, show you how it's done. Maybe they paid for that little corner of the park. I'm going Mission Tortilla Factory only because I didn't and probably wouldn't have wanted to experience Soap Opera Bistro. And I think a lot of DCA 1.0 as a kid and as going, I did want to experience. uh, And I think that's also important. Uh, You want to be drawn in and then either let down or confused. (laughs) that's That's what Mission Tortilla Factory was for me. I'm moving that on. I do like ABC Soap Opera Bistro because I like the brand synergy aspect. Uh, I want to respond to you saying that you don't like soap operas and you don't watch soap operas. Soap operas are amazing. It just was, yeah, it just was never even a thought in my mind growing up currently. Like it just wasn't, I wasn't surrounded by soap operas or, you know, exposed to them. I was a theater kid in high school and 
around that time, we toured the NBC studios in LA and they took us through, uh, I think it was the set of Bold and the Beautiful or Days of Our Lives or one of one of those ones. They're all kind of the same. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a soap opera actor. That That is my goal in life because it looked so fun. I don't know if y'all know anything about the production of soaps, but they are on every single day. It's a new yeah. one every... It is like the original daily vlog. It is like... <laughs> A rigorous production schedule where like you show up to work every single day and you do a whole hour TV episode. Uh, and, and that kind of like explains the poor quality of the writing and the acting and the camera work and the sets. It's all just done like in a day. It's yeah. so impressive. Um, it seems like so fun to work on relatively low stakes because, uh, you know, it's like, having 162 baseball games. If you mess up one game, there's one tomorrow. So right. uh, everyone can forget <laughs> about it. You know, the thing I don't like about ABC soap opera bistro on this bracket is that I feel like it's something not everyone got to experience. Love the brand synergy. Love the weird idea. Love the puns in the menu items. But Kyle, you never got to do it. I wanted to do it, could not get a table. And Mission Tortilla Factory is just is just something that I kind of like I said last week, I could see it being a, a tradition for a family, you know? They run that little kid uh intro thing every 15 minutes or whatever, 10 minutes. No problem churning people through that tortilla factory. <laughs> and I, I think that's important for any amusement park. Uh, the fact that the soap opera bistro is like the second most premium dining option behind the seasons of the vine winery thing. Yep. Uh, it's interesting. That's an interesting uh, drop off there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going with the tortillas, I think. So, uh, Matt, do you agree with uh, sending soap opera bistro home here? Yeah, because I think <clears throat> soap opera bistro is something that could have worked not only in this park but at Disney MGM Studios had they implanted that there and it wasn't the Hollywood that never was but always will be and with something more updated to the now I feel like Soap Opera Bistro would have been fine and to be honest with you I'm super jealous that people got to do Soap Opera Bistro and I didn't the only time <clears throat> excuse me that I went to uh sorry that I went to a <laughs> studio uh in uh in LA my buddy was working there as like an intern and I went to the studio lot and went to the commissary there's all the soap opera stars like eating lunch yeah. I was like this is the greatest because they're like just like the janitors they got to show up every day right they got to do their thing just like baseball games right, right. um so it's it's low rent which is uh, you know very DCA 1.0 but it in a cool way um and the mission tortilla thing is just bananas like I've been thinking about it all week long about what a terrible idea it is because it's not a restaurant. It's just right. a walkthrough. Like, what were you doing? There's no counter service. It's just a tortilla. And you uh. walk away, and maybe it's a tradition or maybe it's not, but it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Send tortilla to the to the final four for all I care. I love this <laughs> thing. It's so DCA 1.0 because it's absolutely bananas. Uh, Matt, what was your uh, commissary meal? Oh my god, I have no idea. But I recognize this is how nerdy I am. 
I recognized the soap stars. Like there was this guy who was on the show Passions. Do you remember this show? It had like teenagers and oh, people yeah. in their 20s. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this was like a, a hit uh, soap opera of like the late 90s and early 2000s. And there was the kid, Jesse uh, Campbell. No, what was this guy's name? He went on to be in this show like in this in movies. And there he was at the at the in the commissary. And I was like, I know who this guy is. This is super <laughs> weird. Like he's a star, but not really. It's like seeing one of these like uh, accident injury attorneys out in public. Like <laughs> that was the level of fame that this guy had, and it was just great. Oh man! Yeah, my uh, my commissary story on the Warner Brothers lot. Uh, I saw Mini Driver at the commissary. Oh wow, that's a time, win! But yeah, um, nice. yeah, good job. My my go to commissary meal was. Uh, Breakfast for lunch, eggs, <laughs> potatoes, biscuits. Mm. There was a, a guy I worked with. I can't remember what his real name is, but his name tag said cowboy. <laughs> and you were supposed to wear you were supposed to wear all black, black on black shoes to work, but he wore cowboy boots and just like didn't care that he was being reprimanded for it. Love it. And I love this. I so, love this story. So we're sitting, we're we're standing in line there at the commissary, and he's like, "All right, I'll tell you what to get: eggs, biscuits, potatoes, and this is the most important part: gravy over everything. That's all you have to say. Just say gravy over everything." So this dude that's hashing food takes the gravy and just like, boo! It's like a gi- <laughs> it's like a giant layer of like white on top of my entire breakfast. So good. So 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 good, cowboy. Uh, if you if you ever cowboy. yeah cowboy cowboy coming in clutch there. Anyone ever finds himself on the Warner Brothers lot? Gravy over everything. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our final four. It is number one Superstar Limo versus number five Sunshine Plaza. We've got seven X Games Experience versus six Mission Tortilla Factory. We've got some high seeds left here. Yeah. Um, not, not really a whole lot of major upsets going on here. So let's talk about Superstar Limo versus Sunshine Plaza. I mean, I, I had, I have to give it to Superstar Limo. I mean, I really wanted to go into this bracket, not advancing Superstar Limo all the way to the finals, because I feel like that's kind of like the obvious thing to do. And I like doing the not obvious thing. And I like being a contrarian, but, um, like I keep saying, uh, this misfire thing or this failure thing or this poor quality thing or I'm not having a good time thing or it doesn't work thing, I just don't know that if I agree with it or I have ever agreed with it about California Adventure. I liked Superstar Limo. I liked the attractions, the like rides that California Adventure 1.0 had to offer at opening. And that's really what I think of personally when I think of this park and my own memories associated with it. Uh, Sunshine Plaza, sure, I spent my fair share of time in Sunshine Plaza back in the day, but as like an eight or nine-year-old kid, I had no idea about the hubcap thing. I had no idea about the reflectors. I wasn't sitting there like, wow, how come the sun's reflecting behind it instead of in front of it? Like it totally went over my head. I just remember standing by the fountain and watching the wave effect happening on the fountain and be like, hey, this is pretty cool. Uh, it smells a little bit like pirate water. And this is a relatively quiet corner of the park where my baby sister can walk around and we can take a break from, you know, riding pretty decent attractions. 
So, you know, I have I have semi-positive memories associated with Sunshine Plaza as well, but like I said, like the attraction, I'm going with Superstar Limo to the finals. So, I brought this up maybe last matchup. I don't even remember now. But panic building. Park was a panic build. A lot of the attractions were. Uh, and you have that both here. You have a a fountain, a, a middle of the mall fountain that didn't quite work. So they panic built reflectors to try and make it work. But Superstar Limo has the ultimate panic build. And that is because this wasn't the ride that it was originally supposed to be. The original ride was this dark high speed ride in which, of course, because this is the era of Eisner, he was the main character in this <laughs> attraction. And you were supposed to be meeting Michael Eisner, who wanted to meet you at the um, the Chinese theater to offer you like a deal, like a a, 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 a contract to, to be in movies and, and stuff. And so... Uh, he warned you of paparazzi and he said that if the paparazzi caught you, that the deal was off, which is such a weird storyline. Like, why? Why is the paparazzi catching you on camera? Your fault, <laughs> right? You're just the actor trying to get someplace and you have a driver. So the driver would zip you around and you'd be flying past different locations as you kind of do now, just or as you did on the, the attraction that was built. But that was just slow. You'd be going through those kind of same locations and like gags would be happening around you. And it would be this kind of like very, very DCA, like a punny gags that are you're flying past, which also how fast are you going to understand what these gags were? Like, I would have loved to see what this ride could have been. But uh, you would then end up getting caught. And that's when they that would be like your photo op is like at the end you would arrive and then you would see your photo taken by the paparazzi and you'd have gotten caught and Eisner would have met you and there had been no deal because you got caught. You ended the ride by failing. That was the that was the attraction idea. But in 1997 as this park was being developed, Princess Diana was killed in a car crash uh involving paparazzi. So, they had to panic scrap that idea and build what they built. That is so DCA 1.0 to me. It just, I know that we hate advancing that number one seed to the finals, but sometimes it just happens because you have such a juggernaut like this. Sunshine Plaza will live on forever in my heart as a incredible panic build, as an awful icon for the park. Um, but it has to be Superstar Limo if it's not just for the uh, background that it has that I just explained. Matt, do you agree with that number one seed heading to the finals here? Yeah, uh, fully disagree on this. Uh, I I don't know um, if you've taken into account the number of puns that could have been found, Sunshine Plaza area, the fact that the uh, <laughs> the fact that uh, upon walking into the park, was it Johnny Hinch who said I liked it better as a parking lot because yes. <laughs> because of Sunshine Plaza, not because of Superstar Limo. Sure. I, I got a full disagree, like vehemently disagree. Wow. I, wow. I, I really feel like California, uh, you know, adventure DCA 1.0, like what's really bad about it? The, the, the puns, the there's okay. 
there's there's different levels of felony, right? There's, there's <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> first degree murder, and then there's all the way down to manslaughter, right? And I feel like Superstar Limo is like, okay, well, they kind of messed it up, and then, you know, they had these bad celebrities, but that's kind of what Disney did. Sunshine Plaza was like a plan, and like, sure. you may, I mean, it could be a hurry build, I don't care, but it was like a plan. Hey, we have to have an entrance plaza that's really going to gravitate, you know, help guests like pull them into the park. The best part about Sunshine Plaza was the fact that you could see other lands, right? That was the only good part about it. Like everything <laughs> right. in Sunshine Plaza is super, super bad. Mm-hmm. Superstar Lemo has this like ironic Mr. Toad. It's fun because it's ridiculous quality. So I don't feel like that's as big of a felony as something like Sunshine Plaza, which is just horrible idea, horribly executed. The reflectors just, they give me nightmares. Like, I, <laughs> I, I totally disagree with both of you on this, but I'll allow it. We appreciate the allowance there. Let's move on to our final, final four matchup. It is number seven, X Games Experience versus number six, Mission Tortilla Factory. One thing that we didn't talk about with the X Games experience is the photo opportunity that they had <laughs> built there. That so is good. the most incredible setup I've ever seen in my life. This is such a like dad setup. Like dad wants to take this photo so bad because of how corny and silly it is. So what it was was this stand up and they did this actually for the 50th a similar like illusion for the Matterhorn's 50th anniversary a few years ago at Disneyland where they had a um you you look like you're climbing up the mountain because the mountain was going uh parallel to the ground and you were holding ropes but when they would take it they'd rotate the photo so that it looked like you're climbing up this is just that to the extreme at the X Games experience they had a dirt bike that was perpendicular to the ground that you would hold on to and you would be standing still, but it would look like you're like supermaning on this dirt bike. And then coming in on the side of you are cutouts of people's like hands, like you're flying over a crowd. And then the background is what you couldn't see during the X Games experience, which was like the Paradise Pier uh, screaming toaster with the Mickey head and then the, the sunshine wheel uh in the background and you would go and take your photo there and i would assume that this was the days that you would take the photos and then go to a booth and get it uh uh uh, uh, uh developed for you so that they can orient it so it looked good instead of you taking a photo on your disposable and then trying to do it at home but it's just such a like this is that setup is what you love about these kind of dca 1.0 activations where it's just like okay we need to we need to do the most the quickest and this was like ah well we ran out of room for photo ops like the the park's photo ops are covered sunshine plaza the 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 icon is covered by a stage where we're having cover bands of surf rock tunes and and uh punk rock bands the Sunshine Wheel and the California Scream Mickey Head is covered by a half pipe stage over the lagoon. So that photo op is gone for you. We need to recreate one. Let's do one that is silly and involved and interactive. It's just such a, a great, great promotion. Synergy. Uh, obviously, Matt brought this up. ESPN 
uh, was acquired by uh, Disney at that time. So this is perfect for them to to promote the summer X games that were coming up. Uh, it's just such a it just feels so like DCA 1.0 that if you are on the street and you're like, where do you think the X Games experience was? <laughs> They'd be like, probably California Adventure. That's exactly what that sounds like. Mission Tortilla Factory is such a like, I wish it was still there thing. I wish that this experience still existed because Chris, you're right. This is something that like every single time we go, we have to go through the tortilla factory. We have to get that free tortilla. We have to watch the test kitchen, but then not be able to eat anything they're producing at the test kitchen because they bungled it, right? I love it so much, but the fact that this X Games experience was made to help try and improve the 1.0-ness of the park uh, in some sort of like, this is what we think people want, which is what I think a lot of DCA 1.0 is, uh, just makes so much sense to me. I want to send the X Games experience to the finals. It's number seven for me. Uh, this is this is tough. Whenever yeah. I have uh, two personal biases going up against each other, I really have to look deep within. I have my <laughs> love for action sports and rollerblading and my love for tortillas. <laughs> Who will prevail? So... Um, I, I, I keep saying, I wish I could have seen X Games experience. It seems like a lot of fun to me. Something I really like about the X Games is, is that uh, brand synergy thing. This is the beginning of Disney, the company, as a conglomerate, as a global yes. powerhouse machine. It all starts right here with this ABC, ESPN, uh, ABC family kind of you know, thing where you yeah. think of all of these distinct brands as one. This is this is where it all begins. So I really appreciate how things like the Soap Opera Bistro and the X Games and Drew Carey all come together in DCA 1.0 to, to get that uh, conglomerate vibe. And this is a, a, an interesting Disney memory that I have. So random. Uh -oh. One time we were walking down Hollywood Boulevard in DCA 1.0. There's a giant something being filmed. I, I want to say it was a commercial and it was a bunch of people dancing, but they were like dads and like kids. Like they, huh. a family had maybe just broken out into dance and they were wearing that classic DCA 1.0 outfit where it's yep. like a Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned <laughs> and some like khaki cargo shorts. Yeah. And the dad had like a goofy hat on and the kid has like a backwards hat on and some puka shells. And they were, they had this music playing in the background that was probably like the backing track and it was going T G I F like w YMCA. <laughs> I guess they used to have this programming block on ABC family called TGIF. Uh huh. I don't know what was on the programming block, but they were advertising for it. And these people were dancing in the street, like, like making their body like a TGIF, kind of like a YMCA thing. Yeah. And that is like one of my most treasured Disney parks memories ever is seeing this like ridiculous thing being shot that, uh, you know, was pr to promote something else happening at the Disney company at the time. Do you want to hear the TGIF lineup? Yes, I do. Is this okay. an ABC Family TGIF? ABC. Oh, okay. ABC. Okay. ABC, which, ABC. Which also makes sense. Um, Can I guess them? 
Perfect Strangers. Yeah, okay, go, Matt. Dinosaur. Yeah. Full House. Yep. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. A Step by Step. Yep. Um, man. Oh, it gets deeper. It, see, yeah, it does. Those are the those are the heavy hitters. Where does it go from there? Um, you got Mr. Belvedere, Just the Ten of Us, Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Ooh. Hanging with Mr. Cooper, <laughs> Sister Sister, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and Clueless. What a lineup! Amazing. TGIF. I, I know like half of those. <laughs> those were all big shows. Uh, some of those were 80s. Belvedere yeah. was like off the air by like 88. But yeah, like, those are big like Friday. Who looks forward to Friday TV? Literally no one. <laughs> except when those shows are on. <laughs> we were a big Sabrina the Teenage Witch family in my house. Mm. Uh, that, was, that was a fun show for us. We'd always try to guess what thing she's going to transform into at the end of the opening credits. It's yes. like, oh, she go, she going to be a fireman. Come on, give me fireman. <laughs> give me fireman. Oh, she's an angel. Dang it. My dad got it one time. He got it correct one time. He like did a lap around the house. It was so funny. He was so fired up about it. Damn. He was like, military, military. Ah! <laughs> um. Anyways. Love that X Games is that kind of conglomerate thing that the company was going through at the time. Mission Tortilla Factory Dow. Here's the reality. X Games experience was a temporary installation. It was kind of like a festival type deal. And when I think of DCA 1.0, I don't really think of that. Even when I think of DCA today, I don't really think about it. Yes, the food and wine festival is big, but that's kind of a thing that happens at every Disney park now. Let's yeah. get some people in during the off season and do some weird festival thing. That, I mean, that's the par for the course for any theme parks these days. So when I think about the attraction in essence, do I go with this thing that happened for one summer randomly? Or do I go with this thing that was an installation in one corner of the park for a, a very long time? Quirky in its own respect and interactive and educational and had a sponsorship attached to it. I go with that one. So I'm going with the Mission Tortilla Factory to the finals, which means Matt is breaking the tie. <laughs> Why? Why? I, this is torture. How can yeah. I? How can I break this tie? I have to really dig deep. So we're in the part of like the finals of Top Chef, where like you're gonna get sent home even though you made a good good dish, right? Right. So that's where we're at. Um, I'm looking at the extreme nature of the experience. And thinking, man, is there anything more DCA 1.0 than extreme? Not sure. Re- other than puns, not really. I feel like that's number two on like the the uh, the pillar of bad DCA 1.0. Although Chris makes a great point. Here's this permanent installation in the in the theme park that's bad every day. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you walk in there, but the thing about the the Mission Tortilla Factory is it was like a good idea. That was not done well. Like you should have been able to get, you know, you could have been Bower Socks and wrapped up everything and made a burrito, right? Like right. your spaghetti's a burrito, your burrito's a burrito, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and so like I feel like that that that's I, there's something redeeming about that. <sighs> this is really hard. I really yeah. don't like the festival stuff when it's chintzy or when it feels like brand integration when it feels like the conglomerate stuff like that's why i don't like the idea of pixar pier like you had mm-hmm. something and it was fine 
and then you turned it into a brand thing. Sure. <sighs> this is really, really tough. <laughs> I really I really want to see X Games experience in the finals. I just I don't know why. <laughs> it's just the fact that it covers up like re- like things that worked. I can't get away from that. Like you built a mound of dirt over this you know, vantage point where you can see cool stuff happening in the park. Hey, let's ruin things that are working. That's DCA 1.0. It's got to be in the finals. We got it. Number one, Superstar Limo versus the number seven X Games experience. This is the most DCA 1.0 final matchup. And oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Chris, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say. Uh, I Go will just it. say this. I will say this about the Tortilla Factory. I think I would have gone Tortilla Factory as the champion if wow. Matt had advanced it. I Why? think if I was on if I was on Pimp My Ride back in the day, it would be like, <laughs> yo, I heard you like tortillas. So we wrapped your car in a tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. It was a cool idea. Like it was hard for me to put it in the finals because I like it. Sure. That paparazzi stuff is interesting kyle that you brought up uh last round and i don't know if y'all remember a comedian named dimitri martin but he he did this kind of like anti-humor and his favorite it wasn't even really a joke but just like a little dimitri martinism he's like i thought quicksand was going to be a way bigger problem in my life (laughs) where dca 1.0 made me think i thought the paparazzi was going to be a way bigger problem (laughs) in my life like I don't know. They some how privileged for Michael Eisner to be like, um, what is essential to the California experience? The paparazzi, of course. Paparazzi be everywhere chasing people down. <laughs> yes, so, so right. I mean, well, now it's interesting because I already advanced uh, tortillas, the permanent installation over the X Games temporary setup, um, yeah. and we've got the permanent installation in Superstar Limo versus the temporary setup in the X games. I do love the extreme nature of X games. Um, you know, the fact that it's the adventure park, I crowned the Incredicoaster, the winner of the best Disney California adventure attraction because of that thrill factor, because I think that that's the angle they're kind of trying to approach this park with. Michael Eisner is a great thief. He stole universal studios (laughs) from universal. So, you know, I see this as him stealing Islands of Adventure from Universal. And, and this is, you know, his answer to that and his son, Rip, or whatever his name is, <laughs> uh, you know, having something to do in the parks. Yeah. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, Superstar Limo, this uh, pretty mild attraction um, should be the thing that I think of when I think about 1.0 and I think about the current state of the park, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that's always kind of been California Adventures brand is the speed um, and the uh, you know a little bit higher on the intensity scale. Ugh, so so hard because um, I don't really love either one of these. Uh, I, I was personally hoping for like a Eureka versus Tortillas uh, matchup <laughs> here. I tried to bail you out with Sunshine Plaza on the uh, <laughs> on that matchup with, with Superstar Limo, but you guys went for the obvious number one seed. Yep. Sure. So, I mean, these are both the ones that bring in, you know, the other properties to make it this kind of conglomerate, uh, to, to, to perpetuate the conglomerate image of the company. 
Wow, this is tough. Um, I think I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to give it to Superstar Limo because I think that it is too recognizable, too memorable, too iconic. It's something that everyone did if they went to 1.0, hopefully. Um, and X Games, I just think it was something that probably a lot of people missed out on, unfortunately. Disney California Adventure was a park themed to something that no one really asked for as Disney fans. I don't know sure. that anybody needed an adventure park. And yet, out of this adventure theme, you did get some great adventure rides. You got the the now Incredicoaster. Don't forget about Grizzly Peak. It's a very fun, great water rafting ride. Soren, which was ahead of its time as far as technology goes. Uh, and those were all based around the adventure of California. Um, Superstar Limo built in a land in, that was supposed to be Hollywood. So you you have a Hollywood type attraction, which is this movie premiere theme. Um, what I just really, really like about the X Games experience is that I do think about DCA needing to fill the park in 1.0. And they they took tactics to try and get people into the park for 1.0. And this just feels like it embodies that energy of which they're trying to match the theme of the park, adventure extremism, with what is going to get people excited to come through these gates. And at the time, it was, in their minds, X Games. I mean, you talked about how like this would have been like, your thing like you would have loved this you're the clientele yeah. that they were definitely trying to get into sure. yeah. this park you and your family to go see these extreme sport athletes from the way that it was promoted I mean hanging a banner from your local print shop over one of your park's icons is just mind blowing to me because they probably wouldn't do that today although we could do an entire we could do an entire Disney Parks promo bracket where we can talk about the big inflatable chicken little. We could talk about, you Amazing. know, like stitch toilet papering the castle in Florida. Like we could talk about promo overlays all day long. Um, and this wasn't just an example of that, it feels like. And the way that they went about it to where they just didn't care about the rest of the park covering their big icons, but trying to match that energy of adventure and like really lean into it. I think that's what's really important. Lean into that adventure-ness of what California, Disney California Adventure was, or at least they were trying to do. Now it's not much of an adventure. Now it's just kind of like another Disney park with some more extreme rides than you could find across the plaza. But um, at this time, the X Games energy is just what I feel embodies DCA 1.0 so much. Superstar Limo is an iconic attraction, but I don't know that it's iconic because it existed. I think it's iconic because people have ripped on it for the past 15 years uh, and hating it. Uh, X Games experience, people may not know about it, but after listening to this podcast, they sure know about it. And I think at that time, especially going to the park, you'd be like, this is such a DCA. This is such a California promotion. This is such a California thing. Chris, I'm going to go with the number seven. Uh, X Games experience as my winner, which means why? 
Matt Parrish is going to crown the most DCA 1.0 thing right here, right now. It's weird. It's weird to have these like really deep thoughts about any of these things. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. That's my favorite part like, of the show. I was on the I treadmill yesterday or the other day, and I was like, "Hmm, which one of these is really DCA 1.0?" Uh, based on like the last eight that we had. Ah, uh, this is so hard. This is so tough. Yeah. I try to think about like if if Superstar Limo was at Epcot, what would it what would it look like? Right. So you had. Cranium Command, full of celebrities, right? You had uh, Charles Grodin and Hans and Franz, and it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Everybody knows it's ridiculous, but the fact that it was in the Wonders of Life Pavilion made it like forgivable. Like people were like, sure. "Oh yeah, sure, of course it is." And then it has this like Inside Out theme that people are like, "Oh yeah, okay, so it's no big deal." Like, but if you really think about it, the celebrity part of it was really cheesy. It dated it super fast, and yep. made it. Even though I love Cranium Command, it's like, it's bad. It's the bad. It's the it's the good kind of bad, right? It's like you know watching Point Break. That's a good bad movie, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have something like X Games X Experience, which does the extreme thing of ruining the entire park. It's not the Millennium Celebration Tapestry of Nations and Tapestry of Dreams where. They, they they have this full <laughs> I've got a visitor. They've got this full <laughs> full like millennium thing. We're gonna connect the dots between all these countries and themes and all connect the dots between all these themes and she all wanna, these. Does countries. she wanna choose the winner? She wanna choose the winner? Is it Superstar Limo or X Games? Mm, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. See? None of us know. Indecision. Honestly, I feel like because Superstar Limo is like tucked away in the back of a land that wasn't very good, you know, the restaurant, the Aladdin show was good, the Soap Opera Bistro was good, but like the rest of Hollywood Pictures backlot, it's, it wasn't a great, to me it wasn't a great land. Um, And this is just one piece of a bigger, you know, land with attractions that didn't work. I mean, it was so not great that they put, uh, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror in the lane. Right. 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 Okay. <laughs> so, but the X Games thing, regardless of whether or not it was temporary, it's like the Epcot wand. It's 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 like the the sorcerer's hat covering up the Chinese theater. It's not permanent, but it's really bad. And if DCA 1.0 is anything, it's really kind of bad. And so, I have to award the title. To the X Games experience, no. the underdog wins in the. If this is <laughs> this is North Carolina State versus Five Slam Jamma, we're going all in with the number seven seed X Games experience. My daughter is livid about it. <laughs> I think our listeners probably are too. I think that she echoes that sentiment. But as we do at the end of every bracket, we're gonna clap. And applaud our winner, which is the X Games Experience. Yes! Extreme! Extreme. I don't know, Chris, that I saw this ending up here. I know you definitely didn't. Um, but I think that no matter what we could have chosen out of literally these 16, I probably would have been happy with any of them. Because this was a, in my opinion, a big powerhouse DCA 1.0 bracket. And it took us some time to get through it, but we're here. 
Absolutely. I mean, I I love going back in in the old memory vault and digging up some old 1.0 memories and uh, listening to some old 1.0 music, watching old 1.0 videos. Uh, it's it's a great time. Uh, being nostalgic for the 2000s is finally in, and uh, I am here for it. Matt, thank you so 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 much for joining us on this epic adventure. Thank you guys. I feel like I had some controversial picks uh, at the end. I was not anticipating those. Oh yeah. Boy, we we love to hear it, folks. We've done it. We've reached the end of another bracket. You know how to get a hold of us. If you have something to say about this stuff, these 1.0 decisions, hey, do you have a bracket idea? Or do you want to hop on the pod? Do you want to be a guest host, tiebreaker? We would love to have you. We'd love to talk to you. Email us at mousemaddestpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Discord. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. It's been a pleasure as always, folks. Remember, California adventure is out there. Oh, <laughs>